Hello there, and welcome to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look ahead to the Under-23 Africa Cup of Nations, which begins this weekend in Senegal, with eight nations fighting for Africa's three places at the 2016 Olympics. We speak to Nigeria Under-23 coach Samson Siasia. All, all we're trying to do right now is to make sure you know, we get our, you know, our game phase on and get our tactics and all in place to make sure we, we play a good tournament in Senegal and to qualify. Also, we continue our look at the African players in this season's UEFA Champions League. This week, we focus on the Algerian players. Also, we catch up with how the Africans are doing in the English Premier League, and we analyse a fascinating interview that Ivory Coast and Manchester City star Yaya Toure gave recently. And we find out how Didier Drogba is doing in the Major League Soccer. You know, he's a wily old fox. He gets in the right position. And, you know, scoring regularly and a good start to the season for the Montreal Impact. So that's all coming up on the show. But we start with the Under-23 Africa Cup of Nations, which begins on Saturday in Senegal. It's the second edition of the tournament. It was initially called the CAF Under-23 Championship and Gabon won the first edition in 2011 with Morocco hosting that competition. So it's now called the Under-23 Africa Cup of Nations. There are eight countries taking part. In Group A, there's the host Senegal, together with South Africa, Zambia and Tunisia. And in Group B, it's Egypt, Algeria, Mali and Nigeria. Now, more importantly than playing for the tag of being Africa's under-23 champions, the top three finishers will take Africa's three places at the 2016 Olympics in Rio. So, Solomon, who do you see as the leading contenders here? Steve, it is uh, really going to be a very, very competitive and very tough on the 23 Cup of Nations in Senegal. I must look at, you know, a bit of history and some of the teams that are well represented here. And I think we have uh, the best uh, eight teams represented here. Egypt and Senegal are the only sides in the last eight currently. Uh, who uh, played in the last Olympic Games in London. Uh, they both got uh, to the quarterfinals. And Egypt has played so many times, I think about 11 Olympics. And then there is uh, uh, Senegal, who did so well and produced great players getting to the quarterfinals. So they are hosting this time around. And it's definitely going to be a huge opportunity for them uh, to win the trophy. And I think that is going to be their goal. Uh, Nigeria, you know, are the most successful African side, uh, you know, at the Olympics. Normally, this is a huge opportunity for younger players to go out and be able to uh, showcase their talent. Senegal, South Africa, Zambia and Tunisia in that group A is definitely going to be a very, very tough one. Senegal has host nations and they produce some great younger players. They have a huge home advantage so they will definitely you know put their hands up there and see how they can maneuver their way through to the semi-final south africa coached by owen da gamma has really been 
you know, doing great of late. I think this is one of the best sides uh, to come out and really showcase South Africa's under-23 uh, since uh, 2000 uh, when the team of Benny McCarthy went out to Sydney uh, and, and did so well and even defeating Brazil and Ronaldinho, I remember, in, in one of the games. Uh, but this time around, South Africa is uh, is really showing that they are ready for it. South Africa also has another South, Southern African side, that is Zambia in the group, and then there is Tunisia. I would say, you know, South Africa, Senegal for me, and Zambia might come from behind. And, and Tunisia, I don't really, you know, know their chances very well, but they would definitely equally compete in Group B is Egypt, also Algeria, uh, whose football has been doing well so far, club football and also national team football. And there is Mali, uh, who recently got to the final of the under-17 FIFA World uh, Championship in Chile, uh, losing to Nigeria. So they, Mali traditionally has a structure and also a system where they do produce you know, great young players uh, and, and, and go out there and, and really do well. So, so we have Mali, and then there is Nigeria, the most successful African side. Yes, and Nigeria won the under-17 FIFA World Cup recently and have an excellent record at youth level, having won Olympic gold in 1996 and having taken silver at the 2008 Olympics where they lost to Argentina in the final. They prepared for this competition in the Gambia and Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba spoke to Nigeria under-23 coach Samson Siasia and first ask how important this tournament, the Under-23 Nations Cup, is. Very, very important. Very important. We have to stamp our foot. We want to stamp our foot in, in this tournament. Having done not bad in the All-African Games, even though we came third. You know, we've never qualified before for a very long time. So I think this team is here to stay. We want to try to do the best that we, we could to make sure we, we qualify. So we're working very, very hard. We're working more on uh, scoring. Because we, we had a lot of problems scoring goals, so we're working very, very hard in front of goal to make sure, you know, if we have this chance, we have to put them away. So we're all ready, we're ready to go. Because it's a platform for them to, to show themselves and, you know, move away from where they are to become better players or going, to, going abroad for, as a professional. But trust me, on that day, these guys will be very, very ready. We want to make Nigerians proud and to make sure this, their hard work won't go to waste. You know, it wasn't easy qualifying too. You know, we have the likes of Algeria and you know the North Africans are a team to be reckoned with. You know, tactically they're very sound and they have very good players. So it's gonna be a tough battle. Very difficult one. You know, we're playing against North African countries and Mali. All games are gonna be very, very difficult, but we are a good side too. You know, they can't just come and run over us and just think they can do that. No, we won't let them do it. So so it's gonna be a tough battle. And uh, we're going out to make sure we, we qualify. I don't care how it's going to happen, but we have our, our tactics. We know what we have to do to make sure we know we qualify. In Beijing, China, um, you were very, very close uh, to uh, winning uh, the Olympics again after um, Atlanta 96. Um, uh, what will winning um, the Olympics in Rio mean for Nigeria and, of course, Africa? Well, it's going to mean a lot a lot to Nigeria and Africa as a whole because it's been since 96 we've not won it yet so we came close uh, in nine, uh, two, two, 2008 you know it was a very painful defeat you know if you get into the finals losing the finals is not a good thing you might have well lose in the quarterfinals and don't get to the finals but all the same we're just trying to see first of all to see if we can qualify 
that would be the most important thing to qualify them. We start working on how uh, to make sure we get into the finals the next time because having qualified, you don't want to go there and come back second place anymore. You want to go there and win it for good. So uh, I'm not going to talk too much about uh, Rio yet. Let's talk about it when we qualify. So all we're trying to do right now is to make sure you know get that you know our game face on and get our tactics and all in place to make sure we, we play a good tournament in Senegal and to qualify because the Olympics is a very important tournament and it's one of the it's biggest tournament in the world and Nigeria want to be a part of it. That's the Nigeria under-23 coach Samson Siasia speaking to Mamadou Ba. So Solomon, this under-23 Africa Cup of Nations is really all about getting among the top three and qualifying for the Olympics and Africa has a great record in the Olympic men's football tournament. Yes, Africa has a great record. There's not going to be a great under-23 Olympic uh, football games without Africa really going out there and, and performing. Nigeria are the most successful African side at the Olympics. Uh, they won the, the gold medal in 1996 in Atlanta, Georgia. Kanu Wanko was the captain of that uh, team. And uh, Jejo Kocha also, former Nigerian international. And, and there was uh, players like uh, Emmanuel Amonike. There was Sunday Olise, the current coach. So they did so well. Even Daniel Amokachi uh, was part of that team. Uh, and uh, in Beijing, China, uh, they won the silver medal. Um, a, a team of uh, Mikel Obi, who plays for Chelsea right now, coming head-to-head with uh, Lionel Messi and Sergio Aguero in the final against Argentina. And Argentina was victorious, but Nigeria picked the silver medal. Uh, and Cameroon also won a gold medal, though Cameroon is not here this time around. 2000 in Sydney, they won the gold medal, uh, while Ghana claimed the bronze medal in Barcelona in 1992. It's just a, a history that has been created by different African teams uh, that I feel one of these eight teams that are competing in the under-23 Cup of Nations uh, you know, have to go out to Rio in Brazil to, to really compete. And remember, this uh, Olympic Games is going to be in Brazil, and Brazil is the home of football. And I feel African teams uh, that are going out there most definitely we want to compete and like coach Siasia said you know this is not just an Olympic gold medal we're talking about here it's much more than that this is a tournament that uh, is going to give a lot of uh, under 23 players opportunity Uh, though each nation uh, you know can call up a maximum of three overage players for the finals Uh, but it's a great opportunity Nigeria in itself they recently just called on Victor Osimhen, uh, who was the top scorer at the, on the 17 uh, FIFA World Championship in Chile. And now they call him into uh, the under-23 team just uh, you know a couple of weeks later in the absence of Isaac Success, who plays in the La Liga, whose club uh, said he's not going to be released. Uh, so so it's, it's a great way to mentor players. It's a great way to uh, develop players and, and guide them as they go on to play for, for the senior national teams in different nations. Well, thanks a lot, Solomon. And the Under-23 Africa Cup of Nations runs from the 28th of November up to the 12th of December. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Do take a look at our website. It's planetsportfootballafrica.com. It's designed specifically for smartphones, and you can listen to each week's current show there. 
Also, you can find out more about us, myself, Solomon and Stuart and the rest of the team. And we answer the question when we think an African team will win the World Cup. Our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com. Also, you can follow us on Twitter. The handle is at planetsportfa. You can keep in touch with news about the programme and African football news. The Twitter handle at planetsportfa. Well, still to come, part four of our look at the Africans in the UEFA Champions League. And this week, Stuart focuses on players from Algeria. Then there are two playing in Portugal. We've got Islam Slimani. Now, he's 27, and this is his third season at Sporting. Well, now we turn to your comments on Facebook and WhatsApp. And in last week's programme, we heard about futsal, a version of five-a-side football that's not played very much in Africa. We heard from Brazil, where futsal is huge. It's widely acknowledged to have contributed to the development of football in Brazil, and it demands innovation and skill from players. Well, Egypt have won three of the four editions of the African Futsal Championship, but many countries have not even taken part. So we asked, do you think that Africa should get more serious about futsal? Once again, we had a huge response, uh, thanks to Alamin Krubali in The Gambia, who says skills and creativity are some of the key factors which African players, and particularly home-based players, lack in their football. Introducing futsal would lead to a greater impact in solving this problem. Ibrahim Shy Guy Sagner says, considering that it's helped improving Brazilian football, why not Africa? He says, if futsal is introduced on a wider scale, we'll see changes as well as lots of success in Africa. Alfred Lightfoot Taylor in Sierra Leone would also like more futsal in Africa. Football is widely dominated by other continents, he says. Paying attention to futsal will bring confidence into African football. Alan Campbell, also from Sierra Leone, has no doubts that Africa should get more serious about futsal. Definitely, he says, because the size of the five-a-side football field is small and there are fewer players, so they get the contact of the ball frequently, which will aid improving their skills and touch on the ball. The physical contact is also more frequent and endurance is a key in playing futsal. Africans naturally have this potential, so I believe if they concentrate on futsal, they can do well. Alan also tells us that futsal is played in Sierra Leone, but he'd like to see more done. It is played here, but might need to be structured to meet the international standards with regards to the rules and regulations in the field of play, says Alan. But Morris Odipo in Kenya says that futsal is not played in his country. Most of the people who do play, he says, are either in school or play with friends outside school. But there are no frameworks in place at the moment for promoting, managing or participating in futsal. Mamadou Bar got in touch about the situation in the Gambia. Futsal is not a popular game here, he says. Uh, Modu Salu adds it is played here along the streets, in schools and on almost every corner. And Ebrima Kante, also in the Gambia, says, I watch a few games of futsal on TV... It's really interesting to watch and also it helps the players to develop their skills. Also in last week's show, we asked fans in Nigeria what they think of their new coach, Sunday Olise. And Amadou Dumbaya from Tanji in the Gambia says, I think he's a perfect replacement for the former coach, Stephen Keshi. 
And as ever, plenty of interest in the English Premier League. Saiku Turai writes, I'm very happy for my team, Manchester United, winning 2-1. And Mohamed Ali Timbo adds, great win for Man United, thanks to all the players. Yes, United left it late at Watford last Saturday, but a last-minute own goal from Watford captain Troy Deeney secured the three points, and United are now second in the league. Adrian Bendera listens to the show in Malawi, and Adrian says, Manchester City surprised me with the way they played against Liverpool. They have a poor formation, and most teams have got used to the way they play. They cannot claim the championship playing like this. Well, I think, yes, we were all surprised by that 4-1 home defeat by Liverpool, who, it's fair to say, are playing very well now under their new manager, Jurgen Klopp. And Stuart Weir's got more analysis on that amazing game later in the show for us. And finally, M. Cham Mesut Ozil in the Gambia was relieved by Arsenal's 3-0 win against Dinamo Zagreb in the Champions League on Tuesday. Uh, that, combined with Bayern Munich's 4-0 thumping of Olympiakos, means that Arsenal will progress to the knockout stages if they win their final group match against Olympiakos on the 9th of December away by a two-goal margin or by a high-scoring 3-2 or 4-3 or so on. And M. Cham Mesut Ozil says, yes, they will win at Olympiakos. Arsenal cannot afford to be out at this stage of the competition. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. And now this week and next week, we're asking, what is your footballing highlight of 2015? It could be international. It could be local in your own country. Maybe to do with your national team or your favourite team at home. And maybe even you've got a funny story about you scoring for your social football team or your school team. Or maybe it's one player in Europe or at home who's really done well and has impressed you. You can WhatsApp your footballing highlight of the year to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, for me, no doubt about my own highlight, it was when Zimbabwe's women's team qualified for the Olympics by beating Cameroon 1-0 here in Harare. It was actually the greatest moment in the history of Zimbabwean football, as it's the first time that a Zimbabwean national team has qualified for a global tournament. Now, Cameroon were formidable opponents. They'd reached the second round of the Women's World Cup earlier in the year. Zimbabwe looked to have no chance at all and were lucky not to have been thrown out in the previous round after failing to travel for the first leg of their tie away to Ivory Coast. Well, Cameroon won the first leg 2-1. Zimbabwe scored early on in the second leg to make it 2-2 and held on in a nail-biting contest to qualify on away goals. Here's a reminder of what Captain Felistus Muzungondi had to say. It's a great achievement for us. I'm so happy I can't even explain how I'm feeling right now. This is our first time in history to beat Cameroon. We are so much excited. We were expecting this because we were preparing very well in our preparations. Yeah, it was a tough game. There was so much intensity in it, so we have to put much pressure on them because they have so much physical fitness than us. Just say to ourselves, we have to put much concentration, much effort, so that we can have the best result. Well, that's my personal highlight of 2015, but do tell us yours on WhatsApp on plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or post on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. 
Well, now let's catch up with our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Shortly we'll talk about how Didier Drogba is getting on in the Major League Soccer. But firstly, in the English Premier League, Ghana captain Andre Ayew got a very clever goal for Swansea as he backheeled into the net, Stuart. Yes, Bournemouth were leading Swansea 2-0 and then suddenly the game changed when Andre Ayew, really very quick thinking, a ball came to him and rather than trying to turn and hit it, he just backheeled it into the net. Later in the game, he was involved in a penalty incident when he went down and there seemed to be minimal contact. The penalty was awarded and scored. And Bournemouth manager Eddie Howe said, AU has induced the penalty and the referee has fallen for it. So a good day for Andre Ayew, but a bit of controversy following as well as to whether he deliberately went down to look for a penalty when there hadn't been much contact. This coming weekend, Steve, Leicester City are at home to Manchester United. And when that came out on the fixture list, who would have believed that come November that would be the top of the table clash with Jimmy Vardy equaling the Premier League record for scoring in 10 consecutive games, Leicester suddenly find themselves at the top of the table. And with Manchester City and Arsenal losing, Manchester United are now in second. So Leicester City against Manchester United this coming weekend is the top of the table clash. And, of course, we could also mention that Chelsea are still down on 15th. So will Jamie Vardy do it? At least something for Chelsea fans to be happy about as they had that league win over Norwich and then a UEFA Champions League victory midweek. And Liverpool fans, very excited, Stuart. How did they manage to win 4-1 away to Manchester City? An absolutely remarkable game. They were 3-0 up in half an hour. And Manchester City, yet again, for all their spending, just look vulnerable. One interesting thing is that we did see the Torre brothers both on the pitch, but sadly not at the same time. Yaya, who started for Manchester City, had already been substituted before Colo came on in the last few minutes just to see out the game for Liverpool. But, you know, it's too early. We have a saying, one swallow doesn't make a summer. But it does look as if Jurgen Klopp is beginning to get things going at Liverpool. He seems to have his team well organised. And as I say, despite all their spending, Manchester City to concede four goals at home was a very bad result. The only bright spot from our point of view is that Kelechi Iganacho again got 20 minutes at the end of the game. So he's very much featuring in the Manchester City first team and the young Nigerian seems to have a bright future. Great prospect uh, is uh, Kelechi Ihe Nacho, the Nigerian. And now let's uh, talk about a huge African legend, Didier Drogba, who's uh, playing for the Montreal Impact Canadian side in the US Major League Soccer. How's he getting on there, Stuart? Well, of course, we all think of Drogba as the Chelsea player who played over 250 games for them. But now he is playing in Montreal and the team has made a decent start to the season. They've played 11 games and have won seven of them. And Drogba has played 11 games and scored 11 goals. His best game was when they beat Chicago Fire 4-3 and Drogba scored three goals. So it's a good start for him. Of course, he's 37. 
He doesn't have the pace he once had. But, you know, he's a wily old fox. He gets in the right position and, you know, scoring regularly. And a good start to the season for the Montreal Impact. And uh, talking of great Ivorian, Stuart, uh, there was a very interesting newspaper interview in the UK given by uh, Manchester City and uh, Ivory Coast midfielder Yaya Toure. Um, Tell us uh, a bit about that. Yes, I was really interested in the interview he gave the Sunday Times talking about various things, including how his early life in Abidjan had influenced him for life. You know, he was part of the famous... Asik Mimosa's Academy, and when he was there, it really was the dream generation. There was Salomon Kalou, who went on to play for Chelsea, Didier Zakora, Tottenham Hotspur, and then two players who played for Arsenal, Emmanuel Ibui and Gervinho. Yaya said of those days, I was there for six months and I just never left. I was training, training, training. Once my mother said to my brother Kolo, what's Yaya doing? And Colo said, oh, leave him. He's crazy about football, that guy. And he also said that he and Colo had never any plan in life other than to succeed at football, both for themselves and to help their family. And he was always watching football on television, whether it was French or Spanish or English, and he was analysing it. And I was interested to read that one of his later managers, Mancini, calls him the coach because he said he's always analysing football. And one interesting thing about him, some people say you don't smile much on the field. And he said, well, my father is a military man, and I think he's influenced me, because when I was a young player, my father said to me, why are you smiling? This is your job. This is serious. You shouldn't be smiling. So now we know about some of his early influences and uh, why he doesn't smile. In the interview, he also talked about his thoughts on Manchester City and what his best position is. And perhaps we'll catch up with that in the coming weeks. Well, fascinating insight. So that's why Yaya Toure doesn't smile that much and uh, shows uh, how committed he's been to the game uh, since his early, early years. So we'll find out more about that to interview with Stuart on the show next week. Um, now, also, Stuart, you're taking us through the African players who've been involved in this season's UEFA Champions League, uh, those who are with clubs still playing in the group stage, uh, plus some of those who played in the early rounds and got knocked out. Uh, last week, it was the Ghana players. Uh, this week, you've spotted some Algerians, Stuart. Yeah, there are six Algerians who've played in the Champions League. And let's start in Romania, because Stoya Bucharest a team which actually once got to the final of the European Cup or the Champions League way back in 1989 when they lost to AC Milan. Now, they have got two Algerian players. Let's start with Yurutha Hamrun. You know, he's 26. It's his first season at Stoya, but he's played previously in Romania. And even though he's only 26, he's played in France, Turkey, Bulgaria and now Romania. And the other Algerian is Amin Tahar, and he was actually born in Sheffield in England, but of an Algerian family. And this is his first season at Stoya as well, but his fifth in Romania. Stoya, unfortunately, went out in the third qualifying round of the Champions League, so didn't get into the last 32, the competition proper, as we might say. Then there are two playing in Portugal. We've got Islam Slimani. Now, he's 27, and this is his third season at Sporting, having previously played in Algeria. 
and he's a regular in the national team and in fact has scored four goals for the national team this month, would you believe? They played World Cup qualifiers against Tanzania, home and away, and he scored two goals when they drew two all and two goals when they won 7-0. And while Sporting went out of the qualifying rounds, they're currently top of the Portuguese league and he's playing regularly. The other one in Portugal is Yassim Brahimi, of course, many will know as the African Footballer of the Year. He was born in Paris, played his early football in France for Clermont and Rennes, then for Granada in Spain, and is in his second year in Porto. Of course, he's a regular in the national team. And it's been an interesting Champions League for Porto. They've won three out of five, including beating Chelsea, which, of course, was a really big game for them as Jose Mourinho the Chelsea manager, used to be manager of Porto and even took them to a Champions League victory in 2004. And incidentally, one of his teammates is the legendary Real Madrid and Spain goalkeeper Iker Casillas. Two others just to finish. We have Hillel Sudani, who plays for Dinamo Zagreb in Croatia. And uh, this is his third season with Dinamo and he's scored 30 goals for them already. He's also played in Portugal for Guillemares. Dinamo are in the Champions League proper, but they're struggling. I don't think they're going to qualify. While they beat Arsenal, they then lost the return to Arsenal, and they also lost 5-0 to Bayern Munich. Finally, we've got Sofian Figuli at Valencia, another regular in the national team, now in his sixth season at Valencia. They are playing in Champions League last 32 at the moment and can still make it through to the knockout stages. So there are six Algerians, all of them making contributions in four different countries around Europe. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart. Many Algerian players making waves around Europe. Well, that's it for the show. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter. The address is at PlanetSportFA. Our website is PlanetSportFootballAfrica.com. And on WhatsApp and on Facebook, we'd love to hear what's your footballing highlight of 2015. Maybe it's something internationally, maybe something locally, perhaps something to do with your national team or your favourite team at home. Whatever it is, send us a WhatsApp telling us your footballing highlight of the year to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero that's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero or go to our facebook page planet sport football africa from me steve vickers in harare from solomon ashams in south africa and Stuart weir in the uk thanks a lot for listening we'll be back next week and planet sport football africa is a passion for sport production